Welcome to No Hope, the podcast. You would have hated it, loved it, I don't know, but you would have been strongly emotional about it, I'm sure. Hello, all of you amazing humans that might be returning to No Hope, the podcast. We hope you've returned. We hope and, you've returned. And, and for those of you who are listening for the first time, welcome, what welcome, what welcome. What took you so long? But we welcome and you. Why, and why have you found us? That is a question that we will be asking at some <laughs> eternally. Point. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely, eternally. Um, we have. You have just listened to one of our finest technical episodes ever. Mm. If you just listened to us talk about Greece, and this week we are returning with our very first international guest confetti (laughs) balloons falling we oh oh, wait 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 wait. oh wait we're gonna do some we're gonna do some we're gonna do some uh we're gonna do some uh what's it called when you prolong Um, satisfaction you know like some like you know what i mean suspense suspense. we're gonna build some suspense yes uh, by by recognizing that this past weekend was Gay Pride, it was. we wanted to say a little shout out to everyone LGBTQ plus. Hello, and hope you had a good Pride. Um, Schneider, you were in New York at a non parade. Is that correct? I was at a, par- a parade that wasn't a parade. No, they advertised there was no parade. Absolutely no parade. Uh, and I went down to the village, had a little brunch moment, and. Uh, Walked down to our old stomping grounds, uh, down to the duplex cabaret theater, and there was something that looked a lot like a parade. Uh, but it was it was super fun. Tons of people on the street, big celebration. I mean, after truly one hell of a year, it was like palpable the uh, the 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 uh, just the optimism, the the feeling of turning a corner. It was really a wonderful, wonderful thing to behold. And uh, I'm extremely happy to be back in New York. And the love. We all felt the love, I hope. I hope we all felt the love. And we're getting ready to feel some more love with our first international guest. We are speaking to Hans Rausch, who is currently in my favorite city on the planet, Berlin, Germany. Welcome, Hans. Welcome. Hello. Hello. So thanks for having me. Very Thank you so Thank much you. for I am. I when when you sent us a message and said you had actually been listening to our nonsense, I was so touched, <laughs> and and um and immediately because I I don't know if you had because we had talked about you a couple of times with reference to the the Starlight Express experience that mm. you had had because we talked mm. about that when I was there last, That's and true. I was like that would be amazing to talk to hear firsthand what this was like, but we're gonna get to that. We have a lot of things to 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 cover. Um, these are some of the things that I read on your CV, and this is going to lead us into our very first question, Hans. You are a st- on your CV. You are a stage manager, a production manager, an associate producer, a production stage manager, a corporate show caller, an event director, and a creative production manager. I mean, wow. also when you sent us the list of shows that you have worked on, truly, I was like, Jesus. Truly astonishing. It's like, crazy. Number of projects. It really is. So if, if someone met you 
at a, at a, you know, let's say a, a little corporate or a schmoozer of some kind, a theater schmoozer. And they said, so Hans, what do you do? What, what would your answer be? Cause that would be a really long one. So I'm curious if you, if you, <laughs> how would you sort of define yourself professionally? I, I have a, I have finessed over the last 400 years that I've worked in the business, um, <laughs> a way of, of explaining what I do because the, you know, the, 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 the 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 blessing or the the curse of uh, being German and working in Germany in in com amongst others um, commercial musical theatre is that no one knows what a stage manager does, let alone an mm. asso associate producer or a corporate show caller, because we don't have the terms and we originally in um, in the very sort of more serious state subsidized art sort of theater opera and all of that there are completely different job descriptions so i've from the beginning had the uh, pleasure of explaining to even my own parents what i do for a living <laughs> when they asked us that why do why don't you ever ask us for money <laughs> which you know was, <laughs> which would have been an, which would have been an obvious choice for the for the for the younger gay son who studied theater you know um, let alone in a foreign country. So they had no control over what I was doing or not doing. So I, I actually have finessed this line of saying like, I help people who have great ideas to put them on the stage. And that's it. And I do this in various, you know, roles that have different names, but, um, when uh, when um, a client of mine who I've worked for a lot and and so have you Tim because they're the producer of, of Lumen Group in Germany also um, stage entertainment stage entertainment um, when they um, gave me the first production to to associate produce for them and they sent me the contract oh God I'm going to say so many things that are are that they're going to get me to court for tonight. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when they sent me that contract, I, I, I called the producer who's, you know, who I've worked with a lot before in, in, in the role of production stage manager. And I said, like, you must have made a mistake. It's the same contract. And she said, like, well, there you see what you've done for us all, over the years. And I go, <laughs> I mean, the actual job in the end, then they, they differ, but... Uh, right. But, you know, but, 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 but that's that. I, 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 you know, a, a production company or a producer um, gives me a show. And you I'm, make things happen. And I see you make too things that happen. the creative people can, can make the best use of the time. Right, right. And, okay, so I, I feel like we have to establish how we know each other. I met you, God, I don't even know how long ago now, but certainly more than 10 years. That's a very good question. Um, I don't know either. And I'm not even sure exactly the, fr I think I met you at Tobias's birthday party, probably, um, the first year that I was really in Berlin for a significant amount of time. I was there for like five or six weeks. And not long after that, you and, Toby, Tobias, who I now recognize that I was pronouncing it incorrectly for many years, <laughs> um, and Manya all came to New York and mm -hmm. we, we, we went to Fire Island for the first time. Oh, yes. We, um, we had ourselves quite a time. We also had a little 
party in Brooklyn, which I think you would have met Scott at. Oh. Um, but, you know, it, it, there was a lot of activity going on during during that, that I thought the two Fire weeks Island, that you were in town. The Fire Island visit was actually a different one, but maybe I'm, I'm, I'm mixing this up. So I don't know. I think it was all a whirlwind, nonstop of activity okay. until the moment that you headed to the airport. <laughs> and yeah, then we're like, what to, the hell just happened? <laughs> that I had to basically carry our friend Tobias to the, to the airport. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yes. So, um, and we have, we have uh, been fortunate enough to see each other pretty regularly from that first time that we met um and i have been you know it, it, it i most recently i saw you what almost three years ago now which is crazy um when i was in berlin last and uh, had a lovely dinner at your home and went out with a couple of nights and um anyway so i wanted to say that and but scott do you remember meeting hans I in do. that in Brooklyn? <laughs> no, but are you sure? Are you sure, sure, sure I was there? <clears throat> not a hundred percent. I usually like actively try to not go to your apartment because it Brooklyn? is so far, so far away from Washington Heights. Uh, That's true. That's true. Yeah. But I, I think I've, I feel like I made it to about like three or four parties there. But yeah. And you were there for a good like two years, right? I'm not even sure it was a, a legit party. It, it might have been mm. just a... a a dinner with friends gathering. and some alcohol, and I think there was mm -hmm. either there was a Nintendo shenanigans or oh. Wii oh. shenanigans Wii. going on afterwards. That was back when we were playing Wii. And yes, I was I, I was seriously concerned about your furniture, and you know because there wasn't <laughs> so much space to play tennis or whatever it was that we did or you did. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, those were, oh, good times. Those are good memories. Um, okay. Hans, you have an astounding resume, as we were saying. I mean, it is, it is crazy how much, how much stuff you've done. And we are very excited to talk to you about many of those things I've highlighted. Um, of course, some of them we are familiar with, whether they were in the States or not. And some of them we're not, um, we're not very familiar with, but, but, no, a, a, a lot of my work has never gone anywhere else except German-speaking countries, obviously. But I want to talk to you first, or I want to hear first about how you got here. When did you, first of all, I don't know where you were born, <laughs> or maybe I do, but I don't, I don't recall. You wouldn't. There's no reason to, I'm, I'm a, I'm, we're talking small town boy, capital letters, S-M-A-L-L, you know, I was okay. born okay. an hour north of Frankfurt in a tiny village. Mm. Um, when I was nine, I moved to the Black Forest to a little, in, which is in the southwest, uh, close to the borders of Switzerland and France, um, which is an amazing place to grow up, by the way. Um, where I spent my youth and where my mother still lives. Um, the place was a little larger, but we're talking less than 10,000 inhabitants in the actual place. Um, okay, okay. My good fortune was that there mm. was a school in that, uh, a high school in that place. So I didn't have to travel uh, for high school. Um, and I finished school there and after school, you know, as with so many gays, gays I just 
got out of there as quickly as I could. It was also a very Catholic, very conservative area. I had lovely friends, but I'm not Catholic. I wasn't born mm-hmm. there. They speak a very, they have a very heavy uh, regional accent there, which I didn't understand the first three days. In my first three days at school, um, I was actually called names because I couldn't follow the conversation because they were speaking the local dialect. Oh, well. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And so what was it in high school when you felt like what brought you to theater? How did you decide or what was the thing that... It's that whole German thing. It's that whole continental European thing. You know, people pay a lot of taxes and some of it luckily goes to subsidize arts and the Mm -hmm. theater. And when you're in high school, it's not uncommon that one of the teachers takes it upon herself or himself, poor people, to um, make sure that the nearest uh, state-subsidized theater who offer ridiculously cheap high school student subscriptions gets that offer to the school and that once you're over 16 or something, you can get on a bus once a month with 30 other people or 40 and go and drive for an hour and go to the nearest regional state subsidized theater, which in my case would have been a a medium-sized theater with which had plays, opera and ballet. Um, all three companies of which fully employed um, year round. And once a month, uh, we would go and see usually a play, seldomly an opera or, you know, less. It was it was play heavy, not 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 opera and, and ballet heavy or dance heavy. But that kind of literally got me in the mood, whereas everyone else got on that bus in order to then leave the theater as soon as the house lights went out and go and get drunk, basically. I said, <laughs> wow. In all those years that I had that subscription, I said through every single performance, whether mm. I liked it or not, except, damn, it was a, was it The Nose, Shostakovich? Oh, yeah, Shostakovich, yeah, I think the nose. a Shostakovich opera that I just didn't, I just didn't understand it. I would have needed someone to help me through it, and there was no one there. And I literally, I left halfway through. That's the only time I did that. And other than that, I got, I was sitting in my seat and I was like, I was just, I said, okay, this is what I want to do. That's amazing. How many uh, trips ballpark do you think that you made over the years? I don't know. You know, there weren't probably that many. I probably did it for two years and it would start, let's say in October and then go through May I don't know, maybe, maybe it was just 12 or so, mm-hmm. but it was, you know, it was a regular thing and it taught me that there's very different styles, you know, because it, by then it was already a very often a very director driven, driven theater, you know, it's, you know, German theater mm-hmm. tends to be director driven, not actor driven. And so there were very, very different styles. 
Um, and I remember sitting through Parzival and being going, okay, what is this? But I kind of liked what I saw. You know, it was it was at least it was it was done visually stunning. I didn't have the 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 musical ability to to appreciate it, but I, it was visually well done. The you know they have plenty of money to to create amazing sets, especially mm -hmm. in opera. Um, and I was I was fascinated. What was the venue like? Like what? How was it? An old theater? Was it yeah, big? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 actually a new building, but it was a you know you you go to any German city that is has over fifty thousand inhabitants or over a hundred thousand, let's say, and you would see you could tell where the theater is because they were all built in the in the twenties or something, and they're not really old, but they they are all. They all have, you know, balcony. Depending on the size, they have one or two or three balconies. Mm -hmm. And there were literally in 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 Central Europe, there were architects uh, who, who went from town to town to build theaters, and they all looked the same. I mean, some of these are replicas of each other. Oh wow! But there was I was I was. I was trying to tell uh, Schneider about when Blue Man was in Oberhausen, and and it's just like this massive theater that is really there's not a lot in that town. There's a mall, mm -hmm. yeah, and the theater, a large mall, a very large mall, like the like the Mall of America type of size of mall, and then this a massive theater, which was probably what like fourteen hundred seats or yeah. something, yeah. Could have been yeah. 1600. I mean, that theater in, in Freiburg is the name of the town where I, you know, got, got the virus, as it were. Um, the, the, the large, the largest stage. And they, they tend to have several stages also as a concept because. Oh, um, really? Yeah, yeah. Because, like in the same venue. Yeah, yeah. They have, they, they started out with the, the big house, as they call it, mm -hmm. which, which could be anything from 800 to, to 1800. Um, this was probably more a thousand or something over several um, levels. But then in order to be able to produce new stuff that they knew would not yeah. have subscribers like and all of that, they would all, always try to find a smaller venue. And the cutoff point by German um, fire law is 99 seats. If you have over 99 seats, you need a fire person to be present. So each one of these state subsidized houses had, and until today has, has a so-called studio space that has 99 seats. Yep. And then sometimes when when these buildings were were very big, they had a dedicated chamber theater with maybe two, three, four hundred uh, uh, seats uh, as well. Wow. And then when they started I mean, to have to make money, they would they would have readings in the in the rehearsal studio and in the um, in the staff restaurant also, because that's good for the numbers. But that's a different story. Uh, it's just so I mean, we just have to take a moment to bemoan the fact that obviously none of that exists in the United States of America. Well, there we, is no subsidized theater. No, well, the no, public theater is subsidized. actually, I believe the public theater is one of the only subsidized um, theaters in the country. Joe Papp worked his ass off to get the, mm -hmm. the city to um, commit a byline to that theater. But that is the, the, yeah, that's, otherwise it's a, you know, it's grants, it's the National Endowment for the Arts, but there is no like line that says these theaters will survive, which is, um, of course, highly unfortunate, but 
But we're not going to talk about all the pluses and minuses, ladies and gentlemen, between <laughs> the United States and German theater, because we're talking to Hans about his career. <laughs> so, 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 so what was the next thing that happened? So you graduated from can, high can school. You and can you then believe it? I did during that time, a, they have youth programs also. They have like educational programs, of course, and they pay people for it full time year round. They're part of the ensemble. Educational Ooh, oh my offices. God. Oh, wow. Yes, they do that. They That's have great. people Ugh. who do educational programs. So they and they offer workshops. And for me, after a while, it was with much trepidation. But there was no way I was not going to do one of these workshops, which um, included an introduction of some sort by some person from dramaturgy or the educational office, then sitting very quietly for an hour in a rehearsal, See, then seeing a stage rehearsal or tech, as we would call it, um, and then watching a performance and meeting the actors afterwards in the, in the cafeteria to talk with them, actors and, and or staff. And, um, and in the last year of my subscription, I, I did that. And that meant, uh, that was a, a pretty big step because there was no bus going then. I was the only one. I had to find means of come, going to that town and coming home, like for example, after the performance, which would have been, there, were, there was no public transport at that hour. I probably made my mother, you know, pick me up or something. Right, right. And they were always very supportive of that. I have to, I have to say, you know, there was never, it's interesting. I mean, they, you know, they, they love, music and theater and they were always very supportive of and they always supported me doing these subscriptions and all of that i did my first workshop there and then i after being an illegal alien in san francisco and making cappuccinos at double rainbow cafe on union street um wait 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 what wait wait that was a pivot (laughs) that was after after school obviously So when did you, I didn't know, I don't know this story. When did you go to San Francisco? I finished school. Um, I finished high school. I did my national service, um, which was a social service because I did not want to go to the army, which was compulsory at the time. Um, And after that, uh, I finished in January, I think. And I had kind of made up my mind. I'm not going well, actually, I couldn't really start university because in January it doesn't start. You know, it's it's. It, so I thought, okay, I'll have until the autumn. And what am I going to do? And I thought, like, okay, I'm going to the US because uh, I've never been. My brother spent a high school year there. Um, I was too scared to do it. Um, you know, there was this whole thing. You know, well, you, you do it at sixteen. You know, I was kind of trying to come out and couldn't and, and all of that. I mean. I mean, I had been out to myself, but, you know, to no one else. Right. And then sure, my, yes. during, my social, yeah. during my social service, I actually managed to do that also to my family. So I kind of knew, you know, from now on, you're your own man. You're going to have to take care of things yourself. And I had a little money because um, national service is paid in Germany. And you don't really have to, you don't really need to spend a lot of money. I didn't have to pay rent, all of that. So I bought an open return ticket on Pakistan International Airways to New York City, met up with a couple of friends from Germany there, uh, the coldest winter of New York, which I then later realized was probably just a normal winter. 
But we, I think we spent <laughs> we spent three days in diners because we just couldn't be outside. We, we, it was just too cold. Um, and then we took a car to San Francisco, one of those car services. You know, to these people move and they want other people to move their cars. Um, oh, a car yes. transfer service. That's what you did as a oh. European interrail student at the time. And we drove all the way from New York City to San Francisco, and that's where we had to deliver the car on Union Street, as a matter of fact. And then my friends had to go back because they had a flight home. You know, they they had two two weeks holiday, and I stayed in the youth hostel there, and I started working there because otherwise they were going to kick me out after three nights because you could only stay for three nights. And then I hung out in a in a cafe, and I fell in love with one of the guys behind the counter, and he kind of fell in love with me too. And I, they all said, "Why don't you Wait, stay?" How, how old are yeah. you at this time? I'm not that young. I'm just twenty one. I was able to drink. Twenty <laughs> one. Excellent. Uh, Excellent. Uh, I can picture it now. So I ended up staying in San Francisco, making cappuccinos. Um, I, everyone taught me how to convince my boss, April, bless her cotton socks, that I was legal and had a social security number and all of that. I'll probably never be able to get into New York City again after doing this. <laughs> um, and during that time, I applied for university. Okay. And I applied to three different theater arts courses and I got accepted in two, I think, or all three, I don't know. But then I was there too long to enroll in one of them. And in another two, I made it just in time to enroll. And I just, I just, I enrolled in two just to see. And I ended up at a very, I, one of them was Berlin. I already had a flat in Berlin, but I declined in the end. I was Wait, so where did you go? I went to a very small place. Um, it's the University of Nuremberg, but there is another town close to it. And the university is split between those two towns. One is called Erlangen, one is called Nuremberg. And um, I'm glad I did that because they had an extremely wonderful theater department there. Mm. Which, and that's a, um, that's rare in Germany. I didn't even know that they would only take students once a year, not once a semester, i.e. twice a year. And they had theater arts as the as your main subject. There were it was very hard to get in. Um, they had like 18 students per year or something. So oh, wow. it was that's too completely unusual for medium sized German um, uh, university. I also studied German literature and in any you know, given semester, at least 180 people would start. Wow. And they had a, oh my God. and they had a theater that was exclusively used by the theater department, which is also completely unusual in German theaters. In German universities, normally the theater department can use the theater, which is actually used though for all sorts of events. And in, in, at my university, it was the other way around. They had to ask to use our theater. So we worked oh, wow. a lot in that theater. And it was, um, so how long were you there? And was three the years experience three years? Okay. Okay. So three years is part of a first degree in Germany at that time. I have to say, you know, education systems like theater, theater systems are very, very different. The first degree right, right. In, in an arts course was a master's at that time in Germany. And you would hmm. study anything, you know, doing, doing, you know, book things like German literature, philosophy, um, 
um, and theater arts, you would study anything between six and 16 years, you know, at that time. It was, you know, um, and even though we worked hard, I wasn't really in a rush because I'm enjoying it very, very much, both the work and the fun. And um, then uh, we... Uh, there was a strike at the time. I was kind of politically active. Um, I was kind of, you know, politically active. I was queer active. And I realized, you know, I don't really need that master's. I need to move on. Mm -hmm. I've learned a lot. Uh, so I looked at, and I wanted to be away from Germany again, to be honest. So I looked okay. at universities outside Germany. My French is crap. Uh, it wouldn't have been enough by any stretch of imagination to go to Paris. Vienna, they say, is is like a high school. Um, so I thought England, fine. My English isn't so bad after almost a year in San Francisco. Um, so I applied to a couple of programs in, in England and um, ended up at Goldsmiths, University of London. And what? starting a course again, because of course the systems were so different, they didn't really know what to do with the three years that had I had done because their right. first degree yeah. is a is a BA, you know. Right. Mm -hmm. But I didn't mind. I was in London. I had to work a lot of money jobs in order to make that work. Um, I had to study a combination of drama and German because they would only teach drama in combination with either, either English, French or German at the time. So I, the, the place that was offered to me was German. So I didn't really have to put a lot of effort into the German because I was there with first year German students. Mm. And even though their German was very, very good from, from, from their schools that they came from, you know, for me, it wasn't so, it wasn't so Right, difficult. right. Mm -hmm. So I could right. enjoy all the theater teaching and especially all the other shit that was going on there. Um, Goldsmiths, the year before Damien Hurst had graduated from there, the fine arts scene was just exploding. Um, you know, it was the time of Britpop and there was the Laban Center of Dance. Ugh was right next, literally the Laban Center of Dance was like uh, 50 meters from the stage door of our studio theater. And I spent much more time in the fine arts and in the dance department than I did in the theater department. But, um, oh, and then the clubs, is, I guess. Why, why is that, that you spent more time in the... The theater department, I thought, was quite conservative. Mm. It's um, stuffy, isn't it, the English? Well, I mean, there were... You know, <laughs> I was considered a mature student at 24, you know. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So wow. a lot of people were 19 and they were actually trying to get into RADA or Central, right. Central School of Speech and Drama. And they didn't. So they kind of and their 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 grades were good enough to go to university, uh, to regular university. So they get, OK, I'm just going to do drama at uh, at Goldsmiths. Um, hmm as long as I wait for a real drama school, you know? Oh so it was all wow. about acting and I wasn't interested in acting. I mean, I'd done three years at that time, knowing that my place is not on the stage really. Okay. That was one question yeah. that Schneider had asked me and I wasn't sure. If I wasn't actually sure if that, was, yeah, if that was how you started out or not. I did my share, but um, yeah. I didn't, I mean, honestly, the original, I guess, like a lot of kids that are fascinated by theater, 
I guess the first, because you don't know anything about jobs that, you know, about, I mean, okay, there were these people in sure. the educational pro program, but they were kind of, you know, I don't know. They weren't, of course, they weren't as fascinating or as beautiful as the actors and actresses. Um, <laughs> well, was, there's that going yeah. for them. <laughs> so, you know, I did. Fascinating is a, is a good, is a, is a kind word mm -hmm. also. Yeah, yeah. But I, mm -hmm. I did want to be an actor and of course i did the some school acting and like a lot of people i guess who ended up in the business the my best friend's mothers came up to me after the performance and like you must go on stage and you know in hindsight i was oh, i would always say this is a bad sign don't do it if your best friend's mother <laughs> <laughs> don't you, like, god you were obviously deterrent. wise beyond your years at 24, Hans. Mm. So um, I would have taken compliments from anyone well, I did. And, and felt like they were absolutely accurate. I had that. Well, in, tell uh, us. I had that at university in, in honestly, in my final year at Goldsmiths. I had that again because I, I kind of featured rather prominently in a musical we might talk about later. Um, who knows? Um, and there, but at that time, you know, I was set. I mean, there was a there was a German friend of mine who was married to an English actor who who uh, I knew through university, and she said, uh, "Oh my goodness, uh, you know, my husband and I could we do um, a song evening with the two of you with songs by Wedekind, the guy who wrote uh, Lulu, um, uh, the play." But he, mm, okay. uh, I, I don't, uh, and m my answer was, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. And like a month later, I knew I was going back to Germany after my degree um, or somewhere else. Anyway, it didn't work out. And she said to me, you know what? I wouldn't have done it with you. And I said, why? And she's like, anyone who wants to be an actor would have said, of course, let's do it. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I'll look into it. Yeah, sure. I was like, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I mean, just. Tell, sell it to me. I was literally, I was, I was, yeah. I wanted her to sell it to me so I could be fascinated. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. So that, well, was, that was one of my, so that was one of my questions. Like what was, and if you, if you talk about this musical, but what was like one of your highlights of that experience of being in England? And it doesn't have to be about school. It could also be about a club. It could be about a well, love. I tell you, it was, it was London. It was, it was literally, it was London. It was the entire thing. The atmosphere at, Go at Goldsmiths was amazing. I really, really enjoyed the creative atmosphere. The, we had a great music department also. So you could, uh, you, you, you must, the, the, the main building of Goldsmiths is an old, uh, like quadrangle building and the entire first floor, at least two thirds of the building were uh, art studios. And you could literally, and there was like a, wow. you could literally just go upstairs and walk around the perimeter of the first, of the second floor, you would call it in America, um, of the second floor and just look into each and every studio and see what people were working on. And there were concerts every week in the Great Hall um, by music students or uh, composition students. And there were famous people giving lectures and... It was just an amazingly creative uh, place in all, um, in the most rundown, terrible part of Southeast London. Um, but it all, it all, it all helped. I had a, you know, I had a flatmate who was a Norwegian artist who introduced me 
to loads of people. Um, I, I, I learned going to art openings, you know, during my student years and hold my, my cheap white wine gracefully. <laughs> <laughs> that sort of thing, you know. In, in, the, in the plastic cup. In a plastic cup, yeah. absolutely, mm -hmm. yes. And um, be locked in at uh, pubs, which then by then still had to close at 11. Um, right. Oh, right. wow. Okay. Yes, yes. But you did a, you did a lock-in, you know. The landlord would lock the door from the inside after, you know. After <laughs> oh, my God. And, uh, and, of course, this there was a big... Um, you know, I'd had a couple of boyfriends at school, at, at university in Germany, but in London, this all, this whole clubbing, you know, I went to heaven a lot. Um, I had affairs, I had boyfriends. Um, I worked in the very first uh, uh, non-Asian uh, store of Muji, um, which was um, uh, at Liberty's at that department store um, at the time. I met amazing people. I also worked uh, the telephones at Stolmos Theatre, who were at the time the owner of nine of the West End theatres. So I was selling tickets over the phone. Wow. Um, I did market research and and lots of lots of shit just to make just to make the rent. Uh, but I had a I had a great time. It in 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 retrospect, it it, it doesn't even feel like I was working hard. Uh, it was just um, a lot of fun most of the time. And so this is taking us. Does this because we we wrote down uh, your career highlights, which I think I took from your from your email. Um, does this take us to Des Phantom der Opera in Hamburg? There was a quick interlude at Bristol University, which went like this. I graduate from Goldsmith with, with a BA. I call my father and he says, uh, is there a degree that we know, like the, that, whose name we know in, in Central Europe? <laughs> and I said, mm. Yes, there is a BAs were completely unknown at the time in Germany. Mm. I said, yes, there is a master's, but it's called a further degree in England and the EU will not pay the fees. You know, you'd have to pay for it. Oh, how much is oh. it? Oh, I'll look into it. And I found a master's degree in um, German dramatic literature of the 20th century, which, which was kind of to me sounded like, okay, I don't even need to study for this. <laughs> How wrong was I? Wow. But, but, and that was at Bristol University. Again, an am amazing good fortune. Bristol has the most amazing theater department at the university. Um, it was the exact opposite of Goldsmiths. Very, very avant-garde, very queer, very in the face. Um, Bristol also has the Old Vic and the Old Vic Theater School, um, which is one of the most famous theater schools in England. And it had an amazing scene and I had 18 terrible months at the German department there doing my master's, but I had an amazing time living there. During that time, I also translated a play into English, which was performed in London then, directed by a friend of mine. So I kind of started having a life. Oh my gosh. And the reason why I ended up at Das Phantom der Oper is that I did not want to move back to London after Bristol without a job. And it was literally impossible to get a job as a non-English, non-Oxbridge graduate. Okay. I would have had to go back to the phone room at Stolmos Theatres or to the mm -hmm. shop floor at Liberty's. Mm -hmm. And I was 
old by then. I literally wanted to try to make my rent money with what I thought I could do in my profession, whatever that yeah, right. would be, you know. Right, right. So you, so you went to Hamburg and in what capacity did you work for this production? I got a call from my uh, sister-in-law who I introduced to my brother because I knew her from the freight elevator in a theater that I had done an internship with. <laughs> um, and she said, you just finished your course, didn't you? Do you know how to stage manage? And I said, do I know how to, excuse me? I mean, this is the, this is England. Of course I know how to stage manage. Um, little did I know. Um, and she said, well, you know, uh, okay, now we're going to have to, we're going to have to talk numbers. This is 1994. Yes. Commercial mm -hmm. musicals had just literally for the last three, four, five years uh, started in Germany. And because they were run in an Anglo system, not in a German system, they needed people like stage managers, which didn't exist in Germany. Um, they have show callers in Germany called Inspizienten, but if you if you put a show caller in a in a theater which needs a stage manager, <laughs> they'll probably most of them will probably not do that because um, they don't feel generally responsible for a lot of things except opening their mm. book, giving the cues, and then closing the book. Got right, on. right, right. That's it. That, I mean, that's something that I learned when Blue Man was, uh, well, it still is actually hopefully coming back to the, um, the IMAX theater, but I didn't understand that. That was, that was my introduction to the, the system of the show caller versus the stage manager mm. and that, yeah. And that larger, that larger scope, that larger sense mm. of like, you are kind of managing yeah. all of these things and bringing them all together as opposed to exactly what you said. Yeah. Um, so you, so you went and you did this in Hamburg so, and did you, did you bait, were you then based in Hamburg? Did you yeah, sort of move? Yeah. I was, okay, I was okay. interviewed in, in uh, Bochum at Starlight Express actually, which belonged to the same production company at the yes. time. Yes. Spent two days there, uh, went on to Hamburg directly because I was a stage management supervisor at the time who said, why don't you always also go to Hamburg and have a look at that? And then he called me on the way to Hamburg. No, while I was in Hamburg, I think this is pre-mobile phones, right? Oh, yes, it is. Um, he called me or whatever. I said, you know what? I don't think Starlight Express is for you. You're a theater person. I mean, 150%. You need a theater atmosphere. And Phantom of the Opera really is like a theater. Every night, 10 past 8, you know, 10 before 10 to 8 when you know when people start it's like it's like a real theater and i'm i'm glad he did that and they had a they had a place open in their stage management department as an assistant stage manager and i learned i started there full time i moved to hamburg i uh, started learning to call the show and i stayed there for about two and a half years as part of a, a team as a, oh, wow. a, a i think a five five people team. We had three stage managers per show at the time. Um, and I had a boss, a female boss, which was great, who after half a year already said to me, you're not going to stay here very long. Take it as a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> and how, the, how many, how many years did this run? By the time I 
Because they, I think it was in his fifth year, and it closed after twelve. I think. Wow! Wow! And how many performances per week were you running? Eight. Okay. Uh, yes. I was the thing. The thing is, I mean, that was in a way that was such an easy job, except for cast change. We did officially. We had six day weeks, so we worked Tuesday to through Sunday. But mm-hmm. within the department, unless someone was sick or a lot of people were on holiday, um, we would usually get one extra day off. It was called standby, but you could literally start drinking at two p.m. because you knew no one's going to come. You're like, it's never going to happen. <laughs> Were there ever any issues with the chandelier? Oh, always. <laughs> well, we had an amazing chandelier. I've seen videos of that yep. original production from Hungary and where, and I look at the chandelier because people film yep. that and put that on streaming platforms. And I look at them and I go like, oh my goodness, ours was three times as big and 10 Ooh. times as fast crushing into the stage. It was a really, really good effect. And of course, like everywhere else in the work, people, if it didn't happen, went yep. to the box office and said, I want my money back because I came oh just God. for the chandelier crash. You're like, I needed to see the chandelier crash. You know, it's funny. I saw it in regional theater in uh, Indianapolis, Indiana, and it was a very underwhelming experience. when it. Came. I had expectations were this yeah. high, but when it came down, it was like, it cannot be an underwhelming experience it's terrible, i mean it took forever and went on like two tra- it was very so yeah that was uh, that's why i was wildly curious about no, the Hamburg chandelier no it's a huge huge theater which was purpose built at mm. the time for phantom of the opera as you can imagine it was all perfect um oh yeah by the way on the way to opening night uh, lord weber told her he's going to divorce her that's what the room is. What? Anyway. Oh my yes. God, really? Oh Wait, was that, was that Sarah, Sarah Brighton? Sarah, yeah. Yes, Sarah, Sarah Brighton. Brighton. Sarah. Yeah. Yes. Um, oh, so wow. I, I remember one performance, which it, it turned out to mm. be a great, great night. We couldn't get it up. It's not that it, could, it wouldn't crash when we were, when, you know, the overture started and all of that. And the over- da, call, da, 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 show da, da, calling da, da, this overture is like a nightmare. It really is. After six months of doing it, I realized I was the only one who was actually able to read the music. And that's why it was a nightmare because the cues they had oh. given me were not where they were supposed to be in the music. And I, out of instinct, realized this is not in the right place, because, but because they couldn't explain it to me because none of them read music. It took me six months oh, to find no. out. <laughs> and then I changed all my cues to the right places. But anyway, oh my goodness. Um, the, when someone said, so chandelier go, nothing happened. Mm-hmm. And of course, what you do, you have a certain amount of time, like 40 seconds or 43.6 seconds or whatever, in which you this movement can still happen for the show mm-hmm. to continue safely. And it didn't, uh, the cue was given like 400 times. The operator said like, okay, I'm checking, I'm resetting, I'm checking, I'm resetting. I'm... It didn't happen. So what you do then you play the overture and then you stop and you bring the curtain down, you, you know, yep. you, you house lights on. And even after 15, 20 minutes, the tech guys were not able to lift the chandelier. Oh, wow. So they took the chandelier off the ropes. And while all of this was happening, we organized a concert version of Phantom of the Opera. So we ended up performing an entire Phantom of the Opera in costume without costume changes with the entire ensemble sitting in a semicircle, the principals in the front, ensemble in the back. 
um, all mic'd with the head mic, so you know you didn't have to, you know, and performing it um, just by whoever sang stood up. And when Christine and Phantom were acting together, they probably stood next to each other or something. And it was unbelievably strong musically. I mean, I, at that time, I'd already been there eight months. I hated the music with a vengeance, but that night was amazing. <laughs> well. Oh my god! So the, the overture was such a. Are you like triggered now if you hear those opening chords? <laughs> Is it? Uh... <laughs> I don't. I don't hear it anymore. I really. I, really, I mean, <laughs> yeah. like I'm. In, I'm incapable of hearing. <laughs> <laughs> By now I could maybe, but I haven't. I've never, mm. you know. Once in a while on on uh, on a music streaming platform, I do go like. Oh, I've actually listened to a lot of Les Mis lately. I don't know why. Probably no, inspired good. by your podcast, to be honest. <laughs> hey, there's um, nothing wrong with Les Mis in my but, book. But oh. I haven't gone back to Phantom ever, mm-hmm. ever. And I've seen. I mean, I've seen honestly. After those twelve years in Hamburg, the show, you know, I production, I production stage managed four other versions of it over the years in wow. other theaters, and I just, oh, I don't know. I've never worked uh, on a on a show with like that level of repetition, and it has always struck me that it would probably drive me crazy. Just as like even like the best of works, like it has it has struck me that and, it would probably and drive I have me a little say, nuts. Although no one would no one would freely admit to it you know um um same with um with uh, dance of the vampires over the mm. years you do not get the quality of performer to want to be in that show after this has played right. for 12 years right even, sure you sure will, you you might get a super cute uh, cool raul once in a while but the mm-hmm. phantoms tend not to be i mean when that when that show opened in 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 germany there was a bona fide wagnerian uh famous very flamboyant opera singer doing the phantom for the first two years huh. oh well wow. um and musically you know i mean vocally it was unbelievable he had long gone by yeah. the time by the time i was there but i i heard the recordings and it was amazing and then it just you know you don't get that after the thing's been on the you know, been there for the zest yeah you know it loses totally. the zest and then you can you know um, the creative team can come during a cast changes like oh we wanted some fresh blood you know when all the actors are like why wasn't that recast that was so good and he's like we wanted some fresh blood and the audience go like yeah he wants it doesn't happen so, that often talk to us about sunset boulevard i saw the original production in new york but mm-hmm. I, which I believe Glenn Close opened the production in New York, didn't hmm. she? I think she did. Yeah. I think so. I, you know, for me, it was an incredible experience. I was, I was pretty young. Um, I loved Glenn Close, like fucking worshipped mm. Glenn Close. I still do, but mm. like this was, you know, this was like right after Fatal Attraction. Mm. And, I will not be ignored, and, um, Dan. 
Exactly. <laughs> and uh, uh, The World According to Garp. And, you mm. know, she the first eight films that she did, she was fucking nominated for an Oscar for, I believe, seven of those eight films. She still hasn't won to this fucking day, by the way, which is very upsetting. Wow. But... And she I, was like supposed to win that last time too. She was supposed to win like robbed. Eight times, Wait, who robbed her? Obviously. I don't remember who robbed her. Oh, re- uh, pop quiz. Yeah, God. I don't remember. We'll have to rewind on that okay. one. But anyway, the point but, is, is they weren't Glenn Close, right? My friend took me to Sunset Boulevard. We were on the eighth row, and in my world, even though I realized that Glenn Close is not an astounding singer. Um, <laughs> it was a really intensely wonderful production. And to be that close and to be able to see her was very exciting for me. But, um, you know, I have since listened to some other people sing the role. And <clears throat> Patty LuPone. <clears throat> some of them, some of them can really sing it. Like when Barbara like covers some uh, Sunset Boulevard songs, they're amazing. Yes, I will cool. actually. I'll give that to Barbara. Actually, I'm not, I mean, I'm she can fucking Barbara, sing those fucking songs. Yeah, she, you know, as I just, if we never said goodbye. This last Ooh. weekend, I just pulled up that was it her '94 concert where she's such a megalomaniac. She does a duet with herself on the Yentl oh. thing. Yeah, but uh, yeah, 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 yeah. But uh, and she does. Uh, yeah, I don't remember which of the two listenable songs ballads from the the, the Sunset Boulevard that she did. She does but, as if we never said goodbye. Right. Yeah. But, oh, the other one's with one look. That's right. Yes, yeah. But she did yes. as if we never said goodbye, and I was like i'll give it to her she does sound great on that song life-changing life-changing well, so talk to us about who was your norma desmond mm. yeah uh, my norma desmond was for the first weeks um someone i'm not even sure she's always billed as an international star um i'm not even sure you might know her but you might not it uh, was helen schneider she's not hmm. enough, you don't helen know her schneider. she is I think she's a German international star. She is actually American, I think. <laughs> but Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I think she either grew up in Germany or she came like so many on a tour when she was very young, stayed here and became a star because she had she had just this bit of you know, Anglo performer determination that German performers mm. tend sometimes not to have and wanted to become a star. And she, she has uh, released lots of solo records and she, she was a household name. You know, she was invited to television shows like big Saturday night mm. shows. Uh, you know, even my parents would, would have known her that name and she was perfect in the role. She, she was perfect except for a stage manager who um, was on the floor. And every time those sliding doors closed in the studio scenes where you have these sort of almost filmic cuts, 
she would actually remain in character behind the sliding door and you had to be in very close proximity to her and it just got so on my fucking nerves because you would have to convey the message that something went wrong and she had to step away a little bit and she would answer back as Norma Desmond not as Paula <laughs> Schneider <laughs> um, so she like I never think- broke character I think I found wow. her, and she is okay. indeed. She was born in New York City in '52, but unfortunately, the Wikipedia page is in German. So even though I have been doing my Duolingo for 114 days, I'm not going to be able to read this. It go- it goes um, to show that she's more an international star in Germany than internationally. But she has, yeah. I mean, she has quite a lot. Uh, I hope that this oh, yeah. is the the person. I'm, she, I'm sure she, it has to be the person, she's, right? She's played everything, I think, hmm. for a while. So she played Norma Desmond. Was she was she amazing? Was she? She was amazing. She really was. I mean, when they opened that show in a in a tiny place near, literally a, on a suburban train end stop near Frankfurt, weird idea. Um, well, Cameron Mackintosh wanted a foothold in Germany because the predecessor of Stage Entertainment, the you know biggest producer of commercial musical theater in on continental Europe, the predecessor was already pretty big. It was called Stella Entertainment. Um, he wanted a foothold and he had the rights to that show. So he just said, okay, let's build a theater and do that. We need, we need to get our, we need to get our foot in the door in the German market. It's a huge market. Um, it, it never worked. The, the actors, because it was out in the boonies, there was a, there was a, a car and a driver for the, for the, for the principals who would take them to company owned apartments in the next town. In the beginning. Oh, my gosh. That changed. Wow. Oh, my soon. gosh. So that's where Sunset Boulevard was? Yeah. A, a theater that now uh, sometimes hosts tours and, you know, city television-like concerts. And, um, okay. Um, and it's, it's built right next to a motorway exit with a hotel next to it. That was the concept. Oh, my God. <laughs> totally weird. Okay. I can see it. <laughs> yes. Totally weird. Yes. We the, the, so, honestly the Sunday nights after the last performance with a, with a, you know we called a lot of us lived in the complex there were employees housing employees housing there the Sunday nights after the last show before a day off were not pretty I can tell you oh just people blowing steam off or uh... oh like yes <laughs> <laughs> wow. I was the only. I, I was there only for a short while because I only accepted going there when I knew they were bankrupt and they were only going to run for another four months. That's all oh, I did. So it was like a. It was a finite uh, gig. Totally, yeah. totally, totally. And the so we and Norma's furs had gone before the last performance. Believe it or not, the costumes. Wait, what? The yeah, furs. Wait, what? The fur coats they had gone oh. before the first before oh, wow. the last performance. Because, of course, everyone was primed to, like, after curtain down, yeah. like, you know, save everything. 
But um, you know, the understudies had taken the 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 the, the male principal understudies had taken all their suits, all the tailored stuff, everything that they could <laughs> use in a in a gala at some time. You know, everything was gone. It was like oh the end of God. the. It was like the end of the Broadway run of like Beauty and the Beast when there was like one spoon left dancing during Be Our Guest. <laughs> like, hey, do you remember in the recent revival of Sunset Boulevard when Glenn, there was that article about Glenn Close about how she had all the original costumes, right, and she kept them like on this subject, and she would like trot them out like at parties, like they were like in her home, and she would like come out as like Norma Desmond. I was like, isn't that amazing? I was like, that I want to be at that I mean, party that's a pretty good deal yeah yeah you're like i'll Keeping do this costumes. plus plus yes plus i get to keep everything yeah. that i wear on stage but, oh but if you uh, knew hurts. those if you knew those costumes you would go like who would wear this i mean they're stage <laughs> costumes you know i mean it's like you don't want to stand next to something like <laughs> right, this at right, a party right <laughs> <laughs> right, right exactly yeah. <laughs> but if you're glenn close yeah well, you can probably get away with that um so hans we had it's weird to think about how this moment, like almost like I almost could have met you earlier because when blue man came to Berlin, mm. we came into the, um, Oh God, I didn't write down the fucking name of the theater. Yes. As they call it now. Yes. Yes. And you, so you arrived there. And this was the world premiere in Berlin of The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Excuse me. In 1999. Of, excuse me, of Disney's The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Disney's, oh. yes. Oh. You will be... <laughs> correct, correct. Pushed off a want cliff to have... if you don't give credit where credit is due. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Um, I remember being really jealous because I desperately wanted to see this musical live on stage, actually. And you should have come over. You would have. I should have. Hated, loved it. I don't know, but you would have been no. strongly emotional about it, I'm sure, because it was, <laughs> it, was an ex- <laughs> it was an experience that you just, I mean, you just don't get it anymore. And even at the time, it was, it, it was, it was so big. I mean, it was huge. You know, I wanted to go to, I had done my time in Hamburg. I had produced a little off, off, off show for a director, writer, friend of mine with state money, which toured around Hamburg for a year. And I knew I was, my next stop was in Berlin. But again, like with Bristol and London, I did not want to go to Berlin without a job and wait tables at my, mm. you know, I was like 165 yep. by then. I mean, it was no way. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so, um, but I had quit Phantom of the Opera. And at that time, I mean, you should have seen the face of my company manager when I told her I was going to leave. I, you know, I was thinking about leaving in about half a year. I mean, she looked at me as if I was, out of my mind. I mean, a lot of the people that I worked with there are still there and they're going into retirement now in that theater wow. because, because we're not, we're not hired for shows in Germany. In yeah, commercial okay. musical theater. We're hired by a building as it were, you know, got it. Yeah. So, um, so I thought I'm never going to get a job with Stella entertainment mm. again, but I thought, Oh, let's be bold. You know, I'll write an email. Um, by then we were on emails, I think, and on cell phones. Um, so I wrote an email to the company manager. I still have contacts, so I knew who the company manager was, and she was my old company manager from Hamburg, I think. 
And I said... Who was it? Oh, you wouldn't know her. She hasn't been in oh, the company okay. for many, many years now. Uh, but a lovely okay, lady okay. called Renata. Um, and I thought, let's be bold. She can always offer me an assistant stage manager. But I said, like, I'd love to, you know, be part of this project and uh, take over the stage management department. Something like that. I probably put it a little more politely. And I got an answer back and I said, oh, that's a good idea. Why don't you come for an interview? And um, so I got the job. By the time I moved to Berlin, the theater wasn't built yet. I walked through the building site, as it were, and I thought, oh, this could be a nice office. And it ended up being our office in the end, which was kind of cute. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, nice. Um, and I Schneider, could, it is yeah. huge, by the way. This theater, this theater oh, is yeah. massive. Like how and many? And the balcony, like the seats. second balcony, you're kind mm -hmm. of like, you feel like you're on uh, like a a slope on a roller coaster like you should have like a seat belt oh, on God. because you think that like when you're you stand fall. up you're just gonna topple down that feels yeah. like every time i see a concert at barclays in brooklyn yes. i'm always yes. like this is how i die like there's yes. no way somebody has not fallen off it's like how can it be this like yes rigged? it's insane and hmm. the the behind the scenes of the offices the rehearsal spaces yeah. i mean it was just gorge massive and like just so much space Oh my God. Very, very lovely sounds, facility. Very yeah, lovely. And so, wait, this production was like the one that opened that opened that, that theater. Venue? Yeah. Okay. Wow. Um, it was, and this was also the, and this was also the premiere of the, the of musical. Disney's Disney's Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, we, mm. the, you know, Tim, we didn't rehearse it in that theater though. You didn't? Hmm. No, we rehearsed six weeks at Eight Ninety Broadway. <laughs> With what? The, what? With the entire company in English oh language. My. <laughs> oh my gosh. Really? Yes. Oh, wow. That was the most amazing That's thing curious. about it because I had picked up a partner in Hamburg who had gone the year before to NYU to finish his PhD. And then up comes this job and they say, oh, and by the way, we're rehearsing for six weeks in, in uh, New York because... Um, Frankly, Disney and the director, James Lapine, are afraid mm. to come to a foreign country and rehearse in a language, and they want to do an English-language version first, so they see if it works for them, and oh, then okay. we can move to, to Berlin. So I was staying at this fucking massive hotel right on Times Square, um, and walked down to 890 Broadway every day uh, or I was staying with my boyfriend or he was staying with me in the hotel um, and we rehearsed there in English hmm. and then and so were they like were they like workshopping it were they actually making no. changes or yeah oh yeah we they were making lots of changes but I think we were past the uh, workshop stage at the time okay Okay, um, but they were was, still tweaking it, was it. Small changes, but but smaller changes, but big changes. I remember the hmm. um, the script assistant had regular breakdowns basically every night uh, because of, <laughs> because she wasn't used to you know to serving a director and a you know and everyone else in the creative team with that many changes uh, every day. And you know when you I am like... do a German language version which is based on a on an English book and English lyrics, what we do is they make a change, then it goes to the translator. Mm -hmm. The mm -hmm. translator suggests a translation, which 
then the producer says that sounds good then it has to be literally retranslated into english so the you know gentle pine would be able to approve of it by you know uh, and it's uh, it's a lot of work so there's like this whole other layer of uh, of complication if you will yeah. was oh, yeah. was it just like were you even able to do anything oh. other than work at this during this yes. particular moment in time yes. It was also a, a, a challenging time because I think uh, Stella Musical went into went into a very big uh, company turnover, uh, whatever. I mean, mm. they were changing the structure immensely, and they uh, I I got a phone call one day at the rehearsal studio by the company manager, and he said, um, "Go to Renatus." Renata was kind of the pr- the project manager, she wasn't the company manager. Go to Renata's, the woman who had hired me. Go to Renata's hotel room. The key is at the hotel desk. Um, go to her safe. This is the code. Take out all the contracts and the cash. She's not with us anymore. What? Oh, okay. oh my God. That oh my is God. intense. That is traumatic. <laughs> wow. And we heard amazing things what happened back in Germany. And I had spent the, the four months before going to New York, I had spent the... On a on a really terrible terrible production of um, of the Lord of the Rings in Berlin, which gave me a chance to already move to Berlin, find an apartment, make some money before I, you know make some rent money before I go to, um, and that company was collapsing at the time, and we were constantly on the phone. Everyone was being laid off. It was terrible. And then Stella went through these big changes, which probably had to do with the forty million US dollar that Disney and Stella invested into that opening opening of of that show But it was, but I did have, yeah, I went, for example, I went to see The Lion King. <laughs> oh, curtsy, oh, Curtsy of Disney Theatrical. Nonetheless, obviously, I did see the invoice later on. They, d- they did bill us back, of course. <laughs> of course. Oh, my course. God. Oh, my Lord. <laughs> no, I, 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 you know, because the thing is, I had spent... A couple of years already, I think, going to New York regularly to see my boyfriend. Then, so I was quite, okay. Okay. I was quite happy familiar. and familiar. I didn't have to do MoMA, yep. and you know, you were I had like, done you're like, I've that. already done, I've done the things. I can just like hang it, it out. Was, and it like, was great. I could actually show people places. <clears throat> um, I, I, you know, I didn't, I, I didn't have to start because I didn't know how to order a sandwich and that sort of thing. It was, I was probably more <laughs> at ease with New York City than I would be now coming back after. I don't know what it feels like to way too long. Yeah, I mean, you also are just a, a human being who seems to be capable of. Uh, an extraordinary amount of juggling I've always which obviously is one of the reasons why your resume is fucking enormous and so impressive but it's just uh you know you 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 just yeah you have that um instant 
don't know. Yeah, you just, you can just instantly solve any problem, and it doesn't stress you out somehow. Isn't it great I, that my passion for my profession gives me mm-hmm. that energy? Because I mean, you know me privately, personally. Also, I don't always have that energy, but when I work, yes. I tend yes. I tend to. I have to. I have to admit, and that's um, mm. a blessing. Um, I can't be more grateful for it. Uh, but also, b- by the way, um, my resume the, the, and the fact that it's so inc- unbelievably long has also to do with um, something else, which I realized when you uh, were talking on the podcast to your friend who is a production stage manager, you know, mm-hmm. the thing, yep. co- compared to her, I n- as a production stage manager, I never stay with a show. I leave, right. On, oh, right. I leave on opening night. I'm part of the production right. team. Yeah. So I, I have to do that more. Makes sense. I have to do more <laughs> shows in order to pay my rent, and right. I get to do more shows because I never stay not even a year. You know, I I haven't done that since I've gone freelance in 2001. Right. Right. Um, Which was after you have back, some- by the way. Oh, but we, we were not quite done with Hunchback, right? You have we're a not. few questions that you wanted to ask. Um, didn't you? Well, I just I just wanted to like know more about it because did they make uh, a do you know if they made a uh, rec- uh Yes, there is. recording of there this? Is a, there is a cast okay. recording and if you hear it, uh, it was it was actually made on the 7th floor of the theater in three different rooms. Mm. Um the, the the orchestra was in one room and the orchestra as such was already huge, but it, of course it was augmented by extra strings and you know what yeah. whatnot. Um the ensemble was in another room. Uh, the soloists were in the third room, and in the fourth room there was um, there was the mixing desk, and we recorded it for a week or something. I don't know, something ridiculous. Hmm. And you'll hear that um, it's something often, often, often symphonic nature. You know that doesn't really exist anymore and not even a Disney show. I think you know it was quite um, amazing. And again. Hmm. Um, you know the 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 2014 or whenever it was uh, version that uh, came out in the states and wasn't too successful, but but anyway uh, mm. was that also toured in Germany in a German version and was quite successful because okay. people love you know the, the 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 first scene with the with the monks in the in the cathedral and the the choral singing and all of that sure sure it, sure it did yeah. it it did its job and we had amazing voices in that first cast it was mm. in that first i mean in in tiny little you know there were tiny little um moments in the in the cathedral um god help the outcasts i mean there were some outcasts in that cast god help the what was the response like what were the what was the general response to the show was it i mean it, it lasted for three years three years, three years. Hmm. I mean, well, that's a pretty substantial amount of time um Berlin is a difficult market for musical theater because hmm. it it had has a tradition of one state subsidized professional theater that did only musical theater, which was Theater des Westens. Um, um, so people 
weren't so much used to like commercial musical theater that wasn't sort of driven by a, a subscription that I have to to that theater right and right and to a very um, famous Berlin famous um, artistic director who was at every party and who everyone knew you know and um, I remember mm. seeing La Cage Fall there as a as a as a as a teenager um, and that production is still I didn't know that until today everyone talk, still talks about it in Germany because of the La Cage yeah it was this the first lacage in in german language or mm. the best or whatever i don't know i loved it but um so it's a it's a it's a strange market and they thought by casting a recording artist from berlin as esmeralda they would get good press but that didn't work um oh. the local um most commercial newspaper i mean non-commercial newspapers don't write about musicals in germany um And the, the, the tabloids, uh, there was a very weird situation. For some reason, they didn't like her. I don't remember the reason. She had just uh, recorded a duet with uh, Andrea Bocelli. Not, mm. very, uh, not a very famous one, but she had done that on her, on her CV. But, um, and she was from Berlin, so they thought that was a good idea. But the, the, the local edition of the you know the biggest german tabloid newspaper bildzeitung uh went to our press department apparently before opening inside like change her and we'll give you a good review oh my Whoa. gosh yeah. wow yeah wow Wow. I'll, go to, I'll go to jail so they, for saying this in public. So they, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, like, they really didn't like her. They really I mean, didn't like her. And it was not a problem. She was replaced after mm -hmm. a year by um, um, an, an Asian uh, performer who had come okay. with the uh, Miss Agon crowd from Stuttgart. Um, mm -hmm. And they, they gave her the title page. A, 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 uh. like the entire title page, which... It doesn't ever happen well, for a commercial yeah, music, sure. you know, and they yeah. didn't have to pay anything for it. So that's how much they no. hated uh, Judith, who was a, uh, <laughs> who, uh, who was a, who was really, really they hated Esmeralda. Oh, oh poor, poor, gosh. poor, hated uh, yeah. pop singer. Uh, she, she might not have been like Tony Award uh, material, but she was fine. Yeah, but she was like fine. Hmm. So it, yeah, I think it sold okay, um, mm. you know, and people. People started booking bus trips for weekends in Berlin at the time to see the new architecture and how the architecture and how this how the city was changing and all that. They're not really commercial musical theater people who do uh, who come to Berlin to see the architecture, but they were able to to wing it. But it never like mm. the Berliners didn't really like it. I think unfortunately. Right. Right. Mm. Right. I mean. Okay. I mean, I probably would have been disappointed, to be frank. I remember reading the, the book as like a teenager or something and thinking at the time, like, this would make a really good musical because, of course, I did because I was a gay teenager. Mm -hmm. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, and I remember not being excited that Disney was, you know, going to be the one to adapt it. But uh, I actually did have like, I saw the film and I and I had some fondness for it just because it was darker than you would have expected it to be, which I was like, I'll at least give some, some credit there. And actually I just read an article 
honestly within the last week, which was kind of fascinating about how Disney still managed to secure a G rating for it, which they everyone involved acknowledged would pretty much never happen. They would never succeed in like making that happen today. Just the uh, the Hellfire song alone. Uh, but yeah, there was like some tidbits in the article about you know it just it's so ridiculous the whole rating system because uh, you know they kept everything about that song intact, uh, but there were like two very minor changes that they made, I guess, in order to secure the G rating. Um, which in- included a lowering the volume of the of the judge uh, at a point where he was sniffing the hair of Esmeralda, so they didn't like that, so they had to lower the volume a little bit. Umpa, and uh, and they and they and they needed to increase the sound of some swooshing of robes. Uh, to cover up the 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 character's voice actor Tony J when he said the word sin, they didn't like the word sin. Oh, um, so so I there was no that smelling that was... of hair and no sin. Yeah, smelling of hair and sin would have potentially given them a PG but, rating. Correct, but like it's fascinating because I'm like there's wow. some pretty intense adult themes going on. Uh, so yeah, it just it just like the things uh, that make it and down it's kind of fascinating so we have so some wait, pretty adult themes going on in that production yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so how long did you stay with with um disney's hunchback again about two two and a half years um okay okay, okay. Yeah. yeah did you but, leave before it closed oh yeah yeah i did there yeah during during the time we went through uh two uh the, the company was bankrupt twice during the time um, the, not the not the theater, not not our theater, but the the, the mother mm. company, uh, Stella Entertainment, and it became Stage Entertainment during that time. Um, okay. Okay. So the second time, I was, and I had it, it was really funny because I'd been through this process, even though I knew I was getting into it with Sunset Boulevard, and the guy who played uh, Frollo was the chauffeur. Um, was Norma Desmond's chauffeur at Sunset Boulevard, and we we you oh. know we were he was he was a very um, strange man no not strange a very very likable man but with a very harsh exterior I don't know it was it was weird but anyway the second time the company went into bankruptcy we sat together at an employee meeting and we looked at each other and he said like why us again. And I realized, okay, I can't stay here. Mm. It's not worth it. I've done mm. this. I mean, I know, you know, I have called this show a thousand times and I, I know I've, you know, I've seen the original Frollo. Um, I have woken up the original Frollo in, on Broadway in a toilet because he was drunk day and night um, at rehearsal. Um, <laughs> oh, my no. God. And, oh, and, no. And on pills. Oh, no. And, um, oh, no. Bless, bless his soul. Oh. He's dead now. Um, but oh, he didn't. Dear. And I had to get him off um, off the stage once we started tech in Berlin because um, he was too drunk to perform um, oh my God. And that's when we replaced him with this lovely other guy who I'd known from Sunset. Um, and I had already in my second year taken, I think, eight weeks of unpaid leave to do a um, an assistant directorship at a uh, 
um, Umbalo in Mascara um, production at um, at a festival um, opera in the south of Germany just to do something else. I'm just not very good at staying with long round shows and doing them eight times a week. Oh, I know what I was going to say. Mm. So Hans, I was realizing that it is possible that I met you possibly not at Tobias's birthday party, but I might have met you in Hamburg at the world premiere of Ich war noch niemals in New York. Oh, gosh, I wish my German was better. Um, can you say that one more time for us, please? Ich war noch niemals in New York. Ich war noch niemals auf Hawaii. What is that? It's a biopic. No, what do you call it? A jukebox musical. Very famous German uh, German language singer called um, okay. Udo Jürgens. Um, no one outside German-speaking countries knows him, but he was like a mega star in German mm. countries. Hmm. And, and I got to see the premiere. Well, I got to be at I, at the premiere of this musical. Right, and I suffered like ten weeks in tech uh, uh, before that premiere, and I'm sh- I sure was there. <laughs> And and by the way, I was at the one of the last run-throughs of Blue Man Group at Theater am Potsdamer Platz before you guys opened, I think. But I but, I wasn't there until after ah, until after okay. opening. Okay. Yeah, because we were we were trying to put together how we were going to train uh performers in Europe ah, and that was going to be concentrated in Berlin for a period of time. Okay. Yes. Okay. Which would have been amazing if that had continued to happen, but alas, mm-hmm. it did not. Mm-hmm. Um, but so that, so that musical, like, cause we'll definitely have to have a, a clip or two from this musical. How long that musical was, pre- it was pretty successful, right? It was amazingly successful. Yeah. Beca- but that was yeah. kind of a no brainer because that guy is just so successful and, Honestly, because we all grew up with this music, whether you liked it or not, mm. it was Im- impossible not to grow up with. I mean, m- my mother's generation grew up with it. I grew up with it. So that like the range is like there's, there's 40 years worth of um, an audience um, who might or might not uh, want to see it. And he has a lot of fans that would normally not be fans of that kind of music because he mm. actually wrote lyrics that were sometimes meaningful, even though it was uh, what we call Schlager uh, music. Um, you know, he would he would sing in all the wrong television shows. That was his his audience, but he he would um, actually sing about um, discrimination and about um, couples that don't talk to each other anymore and, and stuff like that once in a while. So, you know. Uh, this is just a quick tangent because, um, you know, Schneider, I'm sure I've told you that there's naked dance parties in Germany. And you may have I mentioned thought, this. Yeah, and I before, thought that yeah. that's what Schlager meant. I thought Schlagernacht meant that it was a naked dance party, but it was actually referencing a particular type of music, okay. which I didn't know until Hans. How told best me. would you describe? Is this like 
drinking music? No, no. well, no, it's no. more like cheesy pop music, it's right? Cheesy, it's kind of like it's cheesy pop music with with cheap German lyrics and very cheap harmonies, and you know, um, okay, often. And some of them huh. are covers, like they're German oh, yeah. covers of, of American pop songs. Yeah, or French. Uh, or and and huh. so, yes, so yes, so you recognize them, but then you realize that you don't understand them, but then you do, because <laughs> you do, you know. This guy who, whose life, or no, whose music that this musical was based on was like the gentleman of them. He wrote his own music. He performed on a white mm -hmm. grand piano. No, on a, on a see-through plexiglass piano that Schimmel had made for him, especially. Um, oh always God. with a glass of white wine. And he would do his encore in a white bathrobe every time. That's I love this guy. I like everything oh you've gosh. said so far. I'm like, I'm here. I'm here for it all. <laughs> like, I love it. <laughs> can we do that for our next cabaret, Tim? Can we get like a clear, uh, you know? Grand. Yeah, of course. Yeah, Baby grand. grand maybe. We can make that happen, right? Okay, so we talked a little bit about um, uh, the jukebox musical, which we are. Yes, I'm excited about. Um, there's a couple of other musicals that you. Uh, sorry, oh, Tim, can I ask you a question? How on earth did you manage to sit through three hours of that, not understanding? anything i mean there wasn't really anything to understand but oh, <laughs> i mean i think it's because as you know i'm kind of uh i mean i'm i'm very interested even though i'm really ignorant at learning german i'm very interested in the language i really love hearing people talk it um and i love uh i love hearing i just i enjoyed it it was very i was trying to figure out what was happening it was sort of like, you know, watching a puzzle and trying to like disassemble what was actually going on. And it was funny because at intermission, I, Toby and I spoke and I, and he was like, so what do you think? And I was like, well, this is what I think is happening. And he's like, you're, you're close, you know, and he corrected a few things, but okay. for the most part, I was kind of getting, you know, a sense of, I mean, when I first went to Berlin on my own, when I was 28, um, I went to see nine. The musical nine, um, all like just myself. I just sat in, uh, you know, the theater mm -hmm. and watched nine for two and a half hours. I had never seen it before. I didn't know what was happening, mm -hmm. but I, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm accustomed to like, uh, seeing large amounts of opera and it's like, you kind of still do, and, you know, and I, I'll still like read the subtitles, but for long stretches of mm. music, I won't, but it's like, you know, you pick up more than you think you would. No, I'm I'm so. bad at that. I mean, uh, when I when I go and see opera and it's a piece that I don't mm. that I don't know, I'm you know I mean like if I hadn't done it, having a glass of something before, I mean I literally I tr in in intermission, I mean I'm like on over Wikipedia like a madman because I I hmm. I want to try to understand if if there is a plot, what's what's happening, you know? <laughs> um, yeah, right. You're right. Who's getting ready to throw themselves off of a cliff yeah. next? Because opera has to be very over the top. But, yeah. yeah. There's a few. There's a few musicals that you've worked on that that I um, mm. 
such as the bodyguard, we will rock you. Um, that that have never made it here. That they just didn't, mm. you know, the, the, they didn't catch. And I I have found, and I think Dirty Dancing well, is did, another but, one yeah. that um that like didn't didn't ever come to New York. I'm just, and like you, that's not on your resume, but I'm curious if you have it. Which uh, one? Of a, um, Dirty Dancing. Oh, Dirty Dancing! It didn't never. It never came to New York. No. Oh wow! It nope. didn't. Nope. It came. Really? It, it was in Chicago. It was, there was like a tour. It was in Chicago, and I think right? it might have toured. Yes, but it never okay. opened on Broadway. Oh, wow. Yeah, which was one of those things that we were all sort of expecting it to. And sure, I remember sure, sure. then it was like, nope, it's not. It's not coming because they didn't feel that it had. Uh, you know, the the Broadway was going to embrace it. No, so no, I'm curious, know. like, what your what you know if you have any thoughts or insight about like what what is it that the 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 german audience tends to there there tends to be this uh, you know just a, a different sort of acceptance or like what what is it about some of these musicals that really are popular in Germany and for some reason americans just don't like, i mean the same is true of the english actually like the the bodyguard mm-hmm. ran in england for it was. I think, I think was it was a pretty there. successful show, you know, yeah. and it never. Who knows why? Um, uh, uh, that's really difficult because, especially with Dirty Dancing, you know, Dirty Dancing opened in Hamburg originally, in that same theater where uh, Phantom of the Opera, where I worked for Phantom of the Opera, and honestly, it's a, not a huge production in terms of production value set and all of that. I mean, there's a bit of automation and all of that, but there's, uh, oh yes, and there's the, there's the hydraulic uh, log coming down. Uh, the but, what? Uh, well, there's, a, you know, just before they do the lift, no, before they, they, yeah. before they rehearse the lift in, in oh, the, shit. in the lake, you know, yeah. they, there is a, they do that lake scene by, uh, by, bringing in a, a huge tree that sort of obscures so they can play behind it so you don't have to do anything watery sort of but they've chosen oh, okay. to bring that in in full sight of the of the audience and it's huge and there's a massive massive technical thing behind it but it's kind of slightly huh. ridiculous because it looks like a, a falling tree but it's not really falling it's just coming into place Putting in yeah. the piece so, of the set, like when well, they're when gotcha. they're because they're they're dancing on it, right? They're and walking on it. They're dancing on it, yeah. And, yes, you know, yes, yes, yes. That's how he teaches her routine, the. You know, yes, uh, it, yes, it, yes. It, it might be an iconic moment from the film, which I didn't even, which I hadn't even seen by the time I worked on the show. But <laughs> oh, really? It came to it came to Hamburg, and let me think how this worked. And everyone thought, okay, we're just going to need to fill the house. Uh, it's not going to do anything. And it had pre-sales of, I don't know, 20,000 tickets or something. And everyone was blown away. And and then it opened. And um, I'm not entirely sure, but I think it didn't do so well then after all. Hmm. And then they transferred it to Berlin. And it never did well in that huge theater. It never sold 1,800 seats, not even on a Friday night or a Saturday night. Um, oh my God. And then at some stage, they thought maybe Oberhausen, the theater that you know, is a very special place in, in, uh, in 
um, Germany because it's very close to the theater where Starlight plays, as a matter of fact. And it's the old industrial oh. part of Germany. This is where coal and steel is. It's okay. an agglomeration of like, I don't know, 10 million people. So, you know, you have audience, you know what everyone, I think 3 million people can get to the theater by driving less than 60 minutes. So it's, wow. it's, it's perfect, you know, yeah. um, or, or 6 million even, I don't even know, but a huge number. So it's perfect. And people there are a little different than they are in Berlin or in Hamburg, um, definitely in Hamburg. So they thought, oh, maybe it's a good thing. You know, the, there's people who saw, you know, who were in love with Patrick Swayze and they remember the tunes and they'll go and see it. So let's put it there. And there probably wasn't another show to put in a theater at the time. And they still had the right. And Miss Ellie um, loves Germany because we basically, uh, the writer, um, I don't even remember what her na real name is, Eleanor or something. Um, 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 you know, she's being treated as the queen when she comes to, to Germany and when we produce with her and she's there all the time, which is very unusual for a writer. Um, but um, hey, she's there. Um, all the male leads had to always pretend they were not gay because she didn't want a gay male lead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what on earth? Oh my gosh. Like, oh my oh, gosh. Got, got to butch it up now. How bizarre. But, but it didn't actually, it <laughs> well, didn't actually do so well. I guess it, it, it made its, mm. it made its money, but it didn't, you know, it wasn't playing to, to a full, full capacity, you know. And then the, the I think the, 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 the it's uh, honestly, I'm, I cannot answer the question. I think at the end of the day, it might be a marketing question rather than a taste. Right, sure. right, right. Yeah. I okay. mean, some of those decisions are made for us, right? It's not like, you know, there are producers deciding what, what's going to open where. But, yeah. 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 But and it is the, fascinating. And, and there it are people in the market who say, you know, stage entertainment as the, the, the most powerful um, a player in that market does an mm. amazingly bad job at marketing their shows and that a lot of the shows <laughs> would find a much greater audience if they got their act together. Um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that's true, but I've worked some, right. some really good, not so huge shows for them that, you know, were so poorly attended. Um, ah. And I thought it was, a, it was a shame. And I thought with all the power behind a company like that, you should be able sure. to tell people that you have a great product and that they want right, to see this. Right, right, yeah. So how, yeah. how about the story of Starlight Express? How did you come to go? It's, where is it, Bochum? Bochum is the, the name of the place. And I will have to just quickly do a uh a thing here because i think in that um in that podcast um you talked about it you called it a small town it's not actually let me just quickly check <laughs> How many people live there? Um, Starlight Express. Well, I just, it I has, was just. I was supposed to. It has. Go uh, ahead, go ahead. It has roughly four hundred thousand people living there. Oh. You know, okay, that's not small. Okay. It has a university, um, which is actually famous for its theater department. 
It has a very famous um, state-subsidized regional theater. And it is in that coal and steel area of Germany, which, of course, from mm -hmm. the late 80s started going down as an industrial um, uh, place because coal and steel became less important and all of that. So part of the deal was when, uh, when uh, probably, I don't know who it was at the time, Cameron McIntosh, Lloyd Webber, it's always one of them or both of them together, said, let's do Starlight in, in Germany. They singled out this area, could have been Oberhausen, you know, because of the fact that 10 million people can get there within 60 minutes. Um, and the town said, okay, we need to invest into the future of the town. Otherwise, people will walk away, uh, you know, because there's no more work in the mines and all of that. So the town invested substantial money in building a, a purpose-built theater also for Starlight Express. I'm not saying they built it for them, but maybe even that was the deal, that they built the theater and they, the town owns it and the production company puts the production in and, and spends the rest of the money. So Starlight in Bochum is in, a, in an arena building, basically, that was custom-made for the show and has the performers for most of the time. I mean, the, the audience sits almost 360 degrees around the, the performing space, except for a small part at the front, as it were, where the stage, as it were, is and where it leads to, you know, exits and entrances and all of that. Um, um, there's no fly floor, it's Starlight Express, so nothing comes from above, um, uh, like in, in, in regular theater. And the races go on two levels throughout the auditorium. Wow. And it's still an experience. I don't think it was done anywhere else in the world like this, not even in Japan. Right. And do people do, um, oh my God, I have so many questions about Starlight Express. Do Germans know this musical like in the way that like, oh, there's like a, you know, people know like the sound of music or like, do people like know the music? People of... in that area, you know, I, one of the things with the pandemic is that I had to find ways of making, making money because I haven't really worked in my, mm -hmm. in my job since February last year. So I started teaching at a university um, um, a small, you know, I have a small teaching post teaching event production, funny enough. Um, and I have one student who is um, from that area and he said, everyone knows it there. Everyone. I mean, there's 10 million people probably who've been there three times because wow. even as a high school student, you do yeah. school trips to that show. And he did. And he's not a particular fan of musicals. I did ask them in the first lecture, you know, do you have any experience with musical theater? Because that's where I come from professionally. And, you know, some of the girls said, mm, yes. And then he said, yeah, of course, Starlight Express. And I was like, why on earth? And he said, well, because I'm from there. <laughs> and it was the, the, mm. the, the, the performers, I was told at the time, you know, come Friday night, Saturday night, they were on the guest list of every single club in the area. You know, they never had to pay oh my for God. anything. They were, they were stars. They were, like, also, they were celebrities, like they local were, celebrities. They were also all American or English, of course. None of them and uh, do they, were and, German. And, and do they like just keep these gigs forever? Like in the same way that the original Cats, you know, there was like somebody who stayed with the entire original run of Cats well, or... no. No, I mean, it's, it's hard on you as a performer, you know, and there's lots of injury. Um, mm. Some of them 
have done stints of like five years and then been away for three years and come back. Um, but none of the performers from the original uh, cast were, were still there. But a lot of the people because, backstage... Be- because of the physicality of the, the actual work? Is that part of it? Or Yeah, yeah, yeah. Being, on, being on fucking roller yeah. skates. I mean... At speed. <laughs> while like, singing. How fast are we talking about? We're talking fast. Like, we're, talking, we're talking an accident during one of the races... Yeah is yeah. a serious problem and very it's often like, leads to someone being out for two weeks. Wow. Oh and replacements, Do they wear- replacements during the show are happen almost every night. Wow. Oh. So, that, so is every single person covered? Every single role has a cover? No, not really, but there's like five or six mm. swings backstage. Swings? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And, and do they wear like old school roller skates or do yeah. they wear like uh roller blades no there's 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 one trick performer who is the only one who wears inline uh, roller blades everyone uh, there's one trick performer everyone else who's also who is like a roller skate trick performer he's not a musical theater person or an ice skater an okay. ice skater or something oh, okay. you know he doesn't have a microphone <laughs> important distinction Be- better important seen distinction. than heard yes Which so you were maybe you... something but by the way that was put in in bochum over time i don't know whether, mm. whether that part was part of the original stuff like an added element. right right i yeah. know nothing yeah. about this musical but i was so fascinated to hear yeah. the story that you were telling particularly about this kind of backstage frozen in time moment mm. where the schedule is not even electronic or digital like you just go to the board and that's where you see what's happening um right is that is that accurate yeah. and the person who writes the schedule for next week takes about three she 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 spends three nights during the show doing it because every time she puts something down first of all she has to call all the people to ask what they want and then she puts it in Sheffield and then she goes physically to each and one of their offices, which during the show, you know, it's kind of difficult because the resident director sometimes actually watches the show <laughs> and the musical director is actually conducting the show, possibly, you know, and then comes back with all the information, does it again, has a nervous breakdown. I have never seen anything like this before. Unbe-fucking-leavable, unbe- really. <laughs> oh my god oh my god i'm really laughing hard because it reminds me of my employer so you know I mean, yeah, that's and that's yeah. that's all i'm gonna and say it, about and that you know, because <laughs> i had the fortune to, to be called in there um, sort of last minute um for that 30 yeah. year revamp that they were doing um you know, what not did a that, so what, what, really nice situation, what, but yeah, please. What please. were they re? What what ele- like what were they revamping the okay, production so, elements or? Yeah, I mean, they, there's rumors, and I think Tim has talked about that, that that you know Lord Weber has so many illegitimate children, and if he doesn't oh, have a, has a, has a, um, a big show running that makes him cash, right, right, right. you know. And so he needed, he, he was trying apparently yeah, yeah. to get investors to um, set up um, Starlight again in London. And in order for that to okay. happen, he wanted to revamp the show and make it a little more 2020, 2019, yeah. I think it was at the time. 
so his son wrote a couple new songs. Um, Papa is replaced son? by Mama. Oh, um, the, oh the, yeah, okay. The old, the old, the old engine is replaced by a, a, a female old engine. Mm-hmm. Um, and the and there's some As girl and there's some girl power. It's gotcha. you know I mean we're we're still Shanda. talking about the show. You know if you want to write down the plot in a very large handwriting, you can still get it on the back of a postal stamp. Um, that hasn't <laughs> changed. You know. I was like, I don't know anything about the plot, and I probably don't. Well, there is none. Need really. to? <laughs> yeah. See, I mean, I always thought it was like cats on roller skates but that's probably not what it really is i just don't literally know like this much but about the, it it's a little bit like that you don't you don't really know need to know the mm-hmm. plot um, um it's really 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 there's there isn't much but yeah but you know there's a there's a there's a young there's, there's a young engine and then there's this old mm-hmm. engine called papa which then um, turns into mama and there's these these uh, you know dining car and all of that and and they were kind of, they were, how do you say, dumbed down a little bit? No, they were, you know, I mean, they, they in the original version, they are very, very um, misogynist characters. Oh. I mean, they're just like the dumbest, oh. Oh. dumbest blonde girls you can possibly imagine. They were made, oh you know. They were made a little more brainy, and they had a they had a they Savvy had a BFF thing going on, and you know. But it was also thinly disguised. But anyway, and they wrote and <laughs> Tim, you will love that. They wrote a schlager like song for Germany because they knew people would clap on one and three um, um, <laughs> when they were doing it. And I, when I first heard it. I was like, I don't remember this song. Not that, you know, that was over yeah. 20 years ago, but I don't remember that song. And they said, oh, no, it's new. And I said, but it sounds like Helena Fisher. Or, and they said, oh, yeah, he wrote it in the style of, you know, people who watch silly Saturday Night Live entertainment on, on um, you know, Saturday Night Entertainment Live on, on television with stupid German pop songs, you know. So... Oh, my God. And there was, I don't know... What, was there, there was some new choreo, some new uh, races? I don't know, because I didn't know the mm-hmm. old show so well, but I remember I had to teach the sound guy cues for putting in race commentary. There was, an, an, you know, a recorded speaker that during the three races that happened would comment like a sports commentator. And there okay. were certain. Okay. Oh my god! There were certain moments okay. when the sound guy had to had to fire this. No, the sound guy, of course, refused to do this because he was the sound guy. So we had to teach a follow spot operator to fire those sound cues, who refused to do it hmm. because he is in lighting department. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> I was going to say, I bet this. If it's yeah, if people have been there a million years, I'm sure this was like. Yeah. And how Not much time? How experience. much time did you spend with um, the people of Bochum? 
Oh, I don't know. Initially, I went out there. You know, I spent like a summer going back and forth. I was initially okay. only went out there for mm, a, for okay. a, for a, for a week because the day I arrived was the, I think was the final run through of the new show, and the night after was the opening night. Oh my because, gosh! Because they Whoa. had called me in because they they didn't really know how to do anymore, and no one was doing what they wanted to, and the they had an English stage management team who came from the West End who were brilliant but they were like 27 west end brilliant and they mm. they were lacking any sort of social skills especially while translating <laughs> their work ethic to germans who had no work ethic so they thought i'd be a, you know i'd be a good mediator which i probably wasn't oh. and then i came back when you know and then they they because they hadn't finished of course they came back two weeks later to rehearse for two weeks so i was there for two weeks and and then they made they asked me to like turn the department around which i didn't because i couldn't and um so back and forth um i was there like i don't know for two months oh dear oh my gosh so this never actually then came to london right no, because by the time I left, even and even a year later, I think they still considered it not finished. Okay, work in progress. They had oh, they had put in what they had put in was amazing video, which didn't exist at, obviously thirty years ago. Now they have yep. a they have a they had a video designer who put projectors all over the uh, above the uh, you know the the race courses and the and you would have yeah. now you'd have projections like traffic projections on the race courses that was that was quite neat actually and oh, know, I mean, stars that, that so. were that were moving behind clouds in the in the back of the scenery and all of that that sounds so they spent quite cool. a, they spent quite a think, lot of money on it huh. but I don't think I still think that I would need it. to be I think I would need to be like blackout wasted to go see the show but. <laughs> But then you uh, wouldn't remember it. It's a good one. Well, yeah. No, actually, if I think if I just, if I just, like, considered myself going to, like, a concert, or it wasn't, like, you know, thinking I was, like, going to be going to see musical theater, I think I could probably have a good time. But there were drones, Scott. Drones. They put drones, drones in the show, inside the theater. <laughs> and ever since wow. I went drones in every show I do. Well, because... But why? Because while Mama and, uh, I was going to say Rocky, but that's not his name. What's the main character's name? Floppy. No, I don't know. <laughs> uh, saying, Starlight Express. He went off on a lift in complete darkness. And the drones circled in a double helix above oh. his head. Wow. Unbelievable I see. effect. The, huh. uh, honestly, I think 100% of the audience didn't even realize that there were lights moving within yeah, each yeah. other um, over his head. And they didn't even realize this is what, not an effect that it can be done with laser or with... Um, or with any with a with a gobo in a in a moving light, you know, um, it, hmm. that was quite a wow. Quite, That's quite very cool. cool. Yeah, was it Lady Lady Gaga's Super Bowl concert that did something similar? Or am I making that up? Yeah, I'm pretty sure with Lady the drone, Gaga with the drone effect. I think she did. I think very, she did very, something. Very, very but cool. also the uh, there was a big drone effect for one of the Olympic openings, right? I think. I mean, it's I been think, I think, it's sure. been all over the that place would, now. 
yes, that would yes, seem yes. appropriate but, but, and a, but, sure inappropriate. but it's a it's a big thing to do it you know inside a theater in germany for for health and safety no. reasons you know uh, because obviously a drone going going stray and oh landing God. on someone's lap is not a good idea having said that those drones no. were tiny and literally by when you were backstage and, and catching them you could literally catch them without with your hand without getting hurt too much they every each of the drones had three tiny rotators and they were literally the the, the whole drone was as, as big as the palm of my hand more hans more musicals next episode just you wait there is no-